0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at KingsgateHobbs.com. We're going to start off in Romans chapter 3, verse 26. We're just going to read that and then we'll go into verse 27 is where, we're offic- where we will officially begin. Chapter 3, verse 26. This is Paul writing. and He says, this was also the. His righteousness in the present time so that he would be just and the justifier, the one who lives because of Jesus' faithfulness. So now Paul is discussing he's writing to the Romans and he's talking to them about justification and he's dropping bombs. Right. He's letting them know you're justified, not by your works, but by Christ by faith in other words that's what he's saying not by your works but by faith that's how you're justified so that's where we left off and this is where we will that's where pastor matt left off this is where we will begin okay so verse 27 says this where then you know what before i start there you know there's there's a uh, protocols here i got to start my timer cuz i don't want to go over let's see Good to go. All right. So he says this. Where then is boasting? This is verse 27. It is, ex- is, it ex- it is excluded. So he asks the question. After the, after the justification, after he tells them about how they will be justified by faith, he asks them a question. He says, where then is boasting? Okay. There can be none. And he's making it a point. He says, it is excluded. He doesn't ask a question after that. He tells the Jews, where is the boasting? Where is the boasting? Now why is he asking them that? Why is he asking where is the boasting? Well he's asking them that because the Jews were known for what? The law. They were known for the law. And what came with the law, right? The works of the law. And they were known for trying to earn their way. It's like if I do this right and I do this right and I do this right and I do this right, I'm in I'm in a good place, right? How many of us do that today? Right? Now, I'll say this, everybody in this room, I'm sure everybody has a concept of you don't get into heaven by your own merits and your own works, right? Because we're Christian and that's been drilled into us. And if you don't know that, we're going to drill that into you some more, okay? But generally speaking, before you were saved, I'm sure you had a thought or I'm sure you said this at one point in your life. You said, well, I just believe that if I do good in my life, I live a good life then Jesus will hear me. God will hear me and I'll enter into heaven. I'm sure you have said that at some point in your life. Before you were Christian, right? Well, that's a works-based living. That's a works-based religion is if I do well, if I do good enough, I can get in, right? But that's not how it is. And the world doesn't understand that. When I say the world, I mean everybody outside of this Bible that doesn't teach or preach or learn or have this faith. They think many times that they can get in on their own merits, if they just are good enough, right? Well, I do good things. Like I said, I helped the guy the other day load something on his truck. I helped somebody that was broken down. I, you know, I give to the poor. I do all that stuff. Well, that's merit-based. If that's what you're using as the standard to get you into heaven, that's merit-based. That's not faith-based. And so Paul is dropping a bomb on the Jews because they were merit-based. And he's saying, where's the boasting then? If we're justified by faith, Where's the boasting? And he says, it is excluded. He basically tells them you can't boast. On a faith-based religion, you cannot boast because you can't earn your way into heaven. You can do nothing about it to get yourself into that door. You're not good enough. Nothing you can do will be great enough. If you could understand the idea of the holiness of God, and righteousness and, and the justice of God, you would realize immediately that there's no way in. Without, without Jesus Christ, there's no way in. We have to have faith. That, that reminds me of a book. I recommend the book to everybody I see. It's just, it's just a great book. I think it's called The Holiness of God. It was by R.C. Sproul. I think it's the most powerful book, besides obviously the, the Bible, nothing compares to that. But in describing the holiness of God and, and getting you to understand what that means and where you are in regards to that, man, that's a powerful book, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. You need to check that out. But nevertheless, um, so if you understand that, you'll understand you can't get into heaven like that. So Paul says, where is the boasting then? It is excluded. So he drops the bomb. And then he says, by what principle? So now he's questioning them, right? He's saying, it, you can't boast about it. You can't earn it. And then he says, he's, he's anticipating. and He says, by what principle? Is it of works? So is boasting excluded? If so, is it of works? No. And he says, no, but by the principle of faith. So he answers them. He, he perceives the objection. He answers the question. And then he answers them and says, nope, it's not of works. Works don't allow you to boast. or You can't boast because of that because it's not about works. It's about faith. It's the principle of faith. So he goes on. He says, for we consider that a person is declared righteous by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Anybody know? We've said it a billion times in here. Being right with God, right? So basically, when we say being right with God, we're saying that we've been declared legally right. We are justified so God doesn't see our sin. That's what it is, Right. Because the Bible says that people are storing up wrath until the day of judgment, right? So without Christ, you have sin, and that sin is present. You can't get beyond that. That sin is present, okay? So because of that, there's a consequence to that sin. Just like when the law was given, the law brought a consequence of your sin. In other words, hey, this is the standard, and now you don't meet that standard, okay? So because of that, we need Christ. We have to be with Christ in order to be declared righteous. So when I accept Christ in my life for the first time ever, when I initially accept Christ and I start believing, and I say accept, it's, it's believing. When you start believing in Christ, when you do that, you're declared righteous. And it is not by your works. It is not by your merits. It's, be, it's by the simple fact that you believe in Christ. That's it. Your belief in Christ, because of that, you are covered, and now when you go before the throne room of God, he does not see your sin. He sees that Jesus paid your price. That's what he sees, okay? I always like this comparison. It's like you going before God, two of you, you and Jesus going before God, right? And on Judgment Day, God says, you lived Jesus' life. You can come in, basically. That's essentially the way he's looking at it, not that you did, but I'm speaking metaphorically. It's as though you lived a perfect life when you didn't because Jesus paid the price for you. He paid the price as though he lived your life, right? That was what the cross was for, right? So imagine that. So it is not merit-based at all. And so he's saying that he said it's apart from work. So that's what he means by righteous. We are declared righteous. In other words, I'm good to go. I can stand before God and I can enter into heaven because of what Jesus did. It's by faith in him, not by what I've done. So let's go on. He says this, and now he makes another objection. He says, or is it God, the God of the Jews only? Why does he say that? Or is it that God is the God of the Jews only? So now he's anticipating again what they're going to say. And he's actually not only doing that, but he's solving a problem. You know how when you have an argument with somebody and you anticipate what they're going to say, you know what they're going to say, and you're like, okay, I got an answer for that. We've probably, all that, especially men, we're pretty good at that, right? We're like, okay, if he says that, I'd say this. If he says that, I'd say this, right? We, we do that a lot. Well, Paul is writing and he's saying, you know what? I need to throw bombs on them. I need to let them know what's going on. So he says this, is God the God of the Jews only? What if he were just the God of the Jews? Then you'd have the law, Right? That's the point. The point is, is they were given the law. They were given the oracles of God. So if they were given that, right, what about everybody else? What about us? We're considered Gentiles. What about us? So that's why he says, or is God the God of the Jews? Is he only your God? Do I get to have my own God? Does everybody else get to have their own God? No. No. God is the God of everybody. So he asks the question, is God the God of the Jews only? And he says, he is not the God, or is he not the God of the Gentiles too? And then he says, yes, he is the God of the Gentiles too. So he's making it a point. He's he's drilling it in them. That's what he's doing. He's the God of the Gentiles. He's the God of the Jews. He's the God of both of them. And he's going to tie it all in in chapter 4. Okay. So he says this. He goes on. He says, since God is one, he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, does anybody know what that means? I want to ask some of those thinkers over there. Anybody know what that means, by faith and through faith? Because that's, you know, there's a lot of talk on that. What does he mean by faith and through faith? And I got to be honest with you. I thought and thought and prayed, and I'm like, man, what is this? And I've been doing that for a while. It's not just been recent. What does he mean by that? Because I'm a thinker, right? So anytime I read scriptures and I go by that, I'm like, what did he really mean by that, right? Now, there's some theories out there about what he means by by faith and through faith. No one has an exact answer, but I think it's similar to this. One of the thoughts out there is, is he's basically saying the same thing but in different ways. He's saying by, and I think there's a translation. I think, would you pull that up in verse, or in NLT? I think that one says it that way, but there's there's a couple of translations that basically to say the same thing. Let's see if it says it on that one. For he was looking ahead, including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Let's go on. Go to verse. 29 right there. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Is he God of the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is and then go further. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. So you see how you combine that? Because other translations are saying by faith and through faith, and they're basically saying the same thing. That the Jews were saved by faith, the Gentiles are saved through faith. So it's like a almost like a synonym. I'm just going to say it this way, and I'm going to say it this way. Now that's one theory. Okay, another, and you can kind of think of that why? Because in Romans chapter one verse seventeen, what does he say? He says, "Faith to faith." Let's let's turn to Romans one seventeen. He says this in scripture, and so it's kind of using the same type of wording. This. Good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Would you give me that in NET? Because this is the other version. There we go. For the righteousness of God is revealed from the gospel from faith to faith. Right? So it's it's saying the same thing, from faith to faith, by faith and through faith. So we can see some similarities there, right? So nonetheless, Paul is making a statement regardless, whether it's to the Jews or the Gentiles, he's making a statement of faith. That's what he's doing. So you can't get around that. So no matter what you think or how that's going to apply to you, regardless, it's still faith. Okay? So the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything is by faith. And he's going to connect that. He's going to connect that. He's basically saying it's not by works. Then he says in verse 31, or verse 30, he says this, since God is one, and we're going back to Romans chapter 3, there we go. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised, who's the circumcised? The Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcised, who's the uncircumcised? The Gentiles, through faith. Do we then nullify the law through faith? And now he asks the other question, right? Because they're thinking, well, if it's by faith, then what do we have the law for? Right? So Paul is answering another objection. What do we have the law for then? What's the purpose of it? And he says, no, 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 no. He says, no way. He says, absolutely not. Instead, we uphold the law because we have faith. Now, how do we uphold the law and why do we uphold the law? It's simple. It's because if you believe, what does the Bible say? You know what? We'll turn to that chapter as well. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 13. We'll go to 15. Chapter 2, there we go. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous before God, but those who do the law who are declared righteous. For whenever the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, these who do not have the law are a law to themselves. Go to 15. They show that the work of the law is written in their hearts. As their conscience bears witness and their Their conflicting thoughts accuse or else defend them on the day when God will judge the secrets of human hearts according to my gospel through Christ Jesus. So we know that the law is written in our hearts. So if we believe, the idea is is if I really believe, and this is where I always get to when it comes to the prayer, quote, unquote, of salvation, just because you say something doesn't make it real to you in that sense, okay? And I've always said that, and I will continue to say that, just because I say a, a prayer of salvation doesn't mean I'm saved. It's not just a ritual or a sentence you just repeat. You actually have to believe it, right? There's a, th- that's why it says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that, he, was, that he, he died and rose again, you shall be saved, right? You have to believe in your heart. That has to take place. If you just read off something and say, we make this mistake, blah, 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 that doesn't make you saved. So it has to start in here. And if it starts in here, then I'm truly saved. And if I'm truly saved, what am I going to do? Am I going to treat him like a Lord, right? I'm going to treat him like my Lord. My Lord has standards. My Lord says I have to love people. My Lord commands me to do those things. My Lord says that I can't just hear the word. I actually have to do the word. So if I'm going to do those things, now I'm going to uphold the law. I'm going to do everything that I can, right? But here's the thing. I'm empowered to do those things. There's grace given, me, given to me to do those things. I'm not doing them on my own. And even when I'm doing them, I know I'm not earning my way to heaven. I could say, man, I love them. Oh, yeah, I love them. But that's not what gets me in there. It's still always faith. It still always goes back to faith. So we uphold the law because we believe in Christ. That's why. Okay, so. We go on. Now Paul is about to demonstrate them, demonstrate this in their own scripture, all right? Now he's about to feed them. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh, this is chapter 4, according to the flesh, has discovered regarding this matter? And now he's about to throw a big one on them, right? And he says this. He says, for if Abraham was declared righteous by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Not before God. He says this, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. This, I've always said this as well. Remember this, there's no leap of faith. Remember that. There's no leap of faith. That's a, that's a cute saying and it's a, you know, that's a great theory. But the idea is, is God has shown himself to you over and over and over again. right? You can see him. We, we saw that in Romans chapter 1. We see that we see his invisible qualities. They're everywhere. Right? So when we say just take a leap of faith, that's not what Abraham did. Abraham reasoned, had reason to believe in God. God was showing himself to Abraham. So he says this, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his pay is not credited due to the grace, but due to obligation. So when you work, you expect to be paid. Right? You earned your paycheck. right? You earned it. Imagine if somebody just said, no, I'm not giving it to you. No, you earned it. But when you go to God, you don't demand to God, I get in there. I get into heaven. No, you don't. You didn't earn this. You didn't work for that. All right? So he says, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he goes on, verse 5. But to the one who does not work but believes in the one who declares the ungodly righteous, his faith is credited as righteousness. In other words, if I believe in Christ, the one who can make and declare you righteous. If I believe in him, that's what he's saying, right? So he's telling the Jews about Abraham. And he's saying, hey, you, your forefathers, right? Because that's huge. This isn't just somebody he's picking out. He's picking out Abraham. They, what do they always talk about? Moses, Abraham, David, right? These are the pillars. These are the ones they're always talking about. And he picks Abraham and he says, hey, you think Abraham earned his way? And he says, uh-uh. And he quotes the scripture. Abraham believed God. That was in the Old Testament. And it was credited to him as righteousness. So imagine that, being a Jew, hearing that. When all your life, it was work-based. And someone opens up the scripture to you and says, look, he was saved by faith. He was declared righteous by faith. Imagine that. That, that just does something to me. Because you've you got a picture all your life. Imagine, let's put yourself in this predicament. You have the Bible. Imagine someone taught you wrong your entire life about something. Your entire life. They kept drilling it in you, drilling it in you, and one day you wake up, and someone points out the truth, and you see it. Imagine what that would do to you, right? So imagine what he's doing to the Jews when he quotes these scriptures. So he goes on. He says, now to the one who, okay, let's go to verse 6. So even David himself, now he's going to bring up another one, right? David, that's a big one. He says, so even David himself speaks regarding the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Then he quotes the scripture again. Blessed are those who lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will never count sin. And he goes on and he says this. He questions them in verse 9. Is the blessedness then for the circumcision or also for the uncircumcision? Who is it for? Right? Is it just for you guys? Right. Because he goes back. He asked him already. He said, is he the God of the Jews only or is he the God of the Gentiles too? So Now he says, is the blessing just for you or is it for everybody? Right. So he's I mean, he's just putting them in a corner. He's being kind. He's being nice. But he is showing them. he is schooling them in the word. All right. And he goes on. He says, for we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited to him? Was he circumcised at the time or not? Oh, now we get into the, to the deeper things, right? He says, hey, when he was justified, was he circumcised already? Because that was the big deal, right? Circumcision. He says, but was he circumcised at that time or not? And then he says, nope, he was not circumcised. He was actually uncircumcised when he was declared righteous, right? And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness. In other words, it's like saying here, You've been declared righteous. Here you go. This is what you're going to do, right? It's just a seal. That's not what made him righteous. What made him righteous is that he believed because he was uncircumcised when he believed. Okay, you get that? And he received the sign. Let's go on to verse, yeah, verse 11. We'll stay there. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised so that he would become, why? Why? So that he would become the father of all those who believe but have never been circumcised. Now Paul breaks it down and he says, hey, there was a plan to this whole thing, right? And the fact that Abraham believed while he was uncircumcised, the whole purpose was that, was that he could become the father of everybody. So not just the Jews, but the Gentiles too. Everyone. That they could have the righteousness credited to them. God was thinking of you way back then way back then, right? And even before that. So he goes on, he says this, verse 12, and he is also the father of the circumcised, and he is also the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham possessed when he was still uncircumcised. So now he says, he's your father, and not only is your father, but he was also uncircumcised, and that's still his father. It's He's everybody's father. He's all of our father, Abraham, right? So he goes on, verse 13, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not fulfilled through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Faith is everything, right? So how many of us believe, right? All of us believe, right? Well, this pertains to us. Paul is telling them about us, right? He's telling them that God is for everyone, not just them. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not fulfilled through the law but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 14, for if they become heirs by the law, faith is empty and the promise is null, right? So if it's by the law, the promise isn't good for you because the promise was given before then. That's what makes the promise applicable to you, right? So Abraham believed before the law. The promise was given before the law. And all of that was so that we would be covered. Simple enough. Imagine a Jew hearing this. Even today, imagine that. For the law brings wrath. Brings wrath. Because where there is no law, there is no trans. He says, for the law brings wrath, because where there is no law, there is no transgression either. So now Paul is getting to something else. He's saying, hey, this thing is by faith. It's by faith. Why? Because if I try to follow the law, then I can never live up to it. My standard will never be there. I will always fall short. That's what he's saying. So because I have faith, I don't have to live up to that on my own standards, on my own strength. I just got to believe in God. God empowers me to do what he needs me to do. OK. So going on. He says in verse 14, for if they become heirs by the by the law, I'm going to read this again. Faith is empty and the promise is nullified for the law brings wrath because where there is no law, there is no transgression either. For this reason, it is by faith so that it may be by grace what the result that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are under the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he's all of our father, right? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. And he goes back and he quotes the scripture again. So the point is, the point is, is when he talks in chapter three and he's saying it's not a work-based law, he's, he's saying we are justified by faith, justified by faith, and now he goes into why we're justified by faith and he gives the example of Abraham. Now what's interesting is is James tackles another topic. I think y'all, y'all may some of you may have heard me uh, preach a while back and this was a different topic but it was a work it was about works, right? So the uh, James actually writes in the book of James, he talks about a work-based thing, right? And he says basically that your faith is made perfected by works. Therefore, you're justified and you're saved by faith. Working together with your works, right? So he discusses a totally different topic, and many people will look at that and say, no, it's works, it's works, it's works. And he wasn't getting at that, right? What he was getting at is, is, and the reason why I want to point this out is because we're talking about faith, right? Many people just say they believe, but there's no change. There's no difference in them. And that's important. That's why that chapter when James is talking about it, it's extremely important. They're dealing with two different subjects, two different types of people. One of them is a work-based person, thinks they can get to heaven that way. The other one is, is all I have to do is have faith. I don't have to do nothing, right? So you have two different types of people. So that's what James is tackling, and Paul is tackling something else. Nevertheless, when someone has faith and they declare that Jesus is Lord, there should be a change. There should not be, we heard this term all the time, a carnal Christian. You shouldn't be a carnal Christian for 15 years. You shouldn't be. I would argue that you're not saved. Did you know that Paul wrote some of the Scripture? Right? It had been three years, and he's writing to them, telling them that they're being carnal and that they need to change and that those sins will send them to hell and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, right? He's making a distinction. He's saying you can't live that lifestyle and think that that's okay and that you're going to walk right into heaven because you have Christ. It doesn't work that way. So I always say this. It It's not okay to be a carnal Christian, but, hey, let's be real. When you become a Christian, when you first become a Christian, there's a lot of things that that you got to get rid of, right? And it takes time. There's no doubt about it. You're not going to walk in one day and say, I've accepted Christ. Voila, I'm brand new and I'm holy completely, right? It doesn't happen that way. Things fall off. You start to work through things. All of a sudden, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You want to uphold the standard that God has for you. You're empowered to do so, and that takes time. It does not take 15 years. It does not take 20 years. And I can prove that to you in Scripture. All you got to do is read the New Testament. Paul didn't write these letters 50 years after he went to go see them. He wrote them three years, four years, five years after he went to go see them. And he's hammering them about sin, right? So if you think you can be a carnal Christian and enter heaven like that, you can't. You can't. The Scripture doesn't show that, right? So there has to be a change. True faith means there's a change. We're living for God, okay? So you should be different. When we talk about we believe, Paul is making that a point. He's saying, hey, it's not a work-based thing. Well, remember that. Remember that. Your life should be changed. And if it's not, maybe you're trying to earn your way by works. Just because you said a prayer doesn't mean anything. If you don't believe, if you don't truly believe, it doesn't mean anything. Because countless of people have come in here and come in every other church and said a prayer, and they go right back out and they do the same thing. Right. So remember that we discussed here and we're talking about Abraham and James actually uses the same verse when he's talking in the book of James. It's powerful. And he talks about how Abraham was justified before the law and he gives that illustration and then says there's works there. Right. And what he meant was and what they're getting at is this, your faith, if you have genuine faith, you're not earning your way, but genuine faith produces evidence it shows something that's why in James he says show me your faith by your by your works I'll show he says I'll show you my faith by my works is what James says right so when you declare you have faith I'll show you my faith by the evidence I have and it's not because I choose to because I'm like I gotta earn my way it's just a natural result it actually just comes out it is evidence that I have faith right It is not a way to earn my way in. So remember that. So I think, yeah, I'm just about done here. So we're going to stop there. We stopped in verse 17, and we'll stop there, and we'll let Pastor Matt pick up from there. If you would, let's stand up, and let's get into prayer.